I distinctly remember a uh, conversation that I had about 10 years ago. I was about three years into following Jesus as a young man, about 21 years old. I had fought serious battles for purity, as any young man would, held on to God's word, clung to him. And yet, at this time, I was talking with my friend. I felt so distant from him. I felt so far from him. I knew in my head that he's right there if I would turn away from indulging in things that I used to indulge in, a part of my old sin nature, a part of my flesh, the old Roy, as I call it. And it was at that moment, I'm having this conversation, and I tell my friend, I don't know if I'm going to make it, man. <laughs> After three years of following Jesus, some of y'all are three decades in being like, wow, that guy almost gave in after three years. Yes. And I told my friend that, and I remember how God's power surged through my brain to my heart through my friend's wisdom. And he reminded me, Roy, you've already chased all those things from your flesh, and you've been left wanting. Those things don't fulfill you. Let me be the brother in your ear to remind you of that. That is one story that I'm sure we have many others right in the room. One of many stories within my personal life that I can testify where God has used a friend to lift my spirits. And in Luke chapter 5, we see exactly that. A group of friends or family, some scholars believe, they bring a paralyzed man and Jesus is standing right there in their midst. And Jesus is going to look at the faith of the paralytic person and at the faith of his friends. And because he saw their faith, he forgives the man of sin, spiritual healing. He then physically heals the man, physical healing. And the text specifies he did it because he saw their faith. He saw the faith of their friends. I don't know about you, but if you have a friend in your life who points you to Jesus, you're blessed. If you have a friend in life when you are in the valley who says to you, I see you, I hear you, I got you, you're blessed. If you have a friend who's ever stepped in and interceded on your behalf where you didn't have faith enough to even pray to God and they said, I got you, I'll believe for you, you are blessed, church. We're going to see those truths play out in Luke chapter 5 among a plethora of other little things that I'll point out. But at the end of the day, church, we are not built just for our family units. We're not just built for our workplaces. We are built for community. We are built for friendship. Proverbs 17, 17 says that a friend loves at all times, but a brother is born, born for adversity. In today's text, we're going to see Jesus forgiving and healing, and he still does today. We're going to see how Jesus blesses others through another. We'll see that today. Let's pray. 
Holy Spirit, I am very aware of my weaknesses. I am very aware of how dangerous it is to step up here and proclaim your truth, knowing that the devil would love to undermine the listener, would love to undermine my walk with you. And yet we stand on your truth, God, that you're our protector, you're our sustainer, and you're our defender. You are Yahweh Nisi, God. You are a banner as we go into battles. And we claim your victory in many ways. Encourage our hearts today. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would increase in this place, God. Make much of Jesus, where we have been cold in our hearts towards Jesus and hearing about his ministries, God. Warm us up this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. We'll begin there. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. The Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. you got to love that insight, right, from Luke the physician. His healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof. They're making more effort. And they took off some of the tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. They aren't just lowering it. I mean, they have precision. They know where he's standing underneath that house, and they go right above it. They take off tiles, and they say, we're going to get our friend right in front of God. That's how much determination these friends have. And Jesus said to the man, seeing their faith, young man, your sins are forgiven. Jesus blesses others through our faith. Jesus spiritually heals this paralytic in part because of the faith of not just his, himself that he possessed within his heart, but also because of the faith of his friends. The other gospel accounts reveal that the house was packed and Jesus was doing a Bible study of sorts. He was teaching and prior to this, his name was getting out there as a man of miracles Everything that precedes this text we're learning about had to do with Jesus performing miracle after miracle after miracle for friends, for villages, so on and so forth. His reputation of God's power and authority within him is going out and people are responding. And here we have in this setting that the house is packed. And then imagine with me, Jesus, second person of the Trinity, God of the universe, the son of man, is preaching. He's teaching. People are hanging on to every word that he's saying. And then he hears something above. Looks up and he sees tiles being removed. Looking up, seeing the sky, he then sees four men lowering a mat, which then he finds out is a paralytic man. And when he looked up and saw all of that action, he didn't see what you and I would see. 
he saw with spiritual eyes. He saw something deeper. He saw faith. He saw determination. He saw a group of friends who believed in the power of God so much, the object of their faith being Jesus so strong that they're not allowing the crowds around to deter them, not just from walking in, but they go on the top of the roof and they get their friend to him. They didn't let circumstances get in their way. They didn't let embarrassment from doing this, right? I mean, they're losing a little bit of dignity, potentially reputation, looking as silly as they were. Right now, how embarrassed would you be if you came up here and tried to, hey, hey Roy, right now, I'm uh, just wondering if you could pray for me. That takes a little bit of faith, wouldn't you think? And I know, Danny reminds me I'm not the Lord Jesus Christ. But regardless, it takes a measure of faith to go up, interrupt the Lord's teaching so that they could be potentially healed. Church, Jesus stands ready to bless others through our faith. He stands ready to bless others through our faith, a gritty faith that is determined to intercede on the behalf of others. A gritty faith filled with compassion for your fellow imager of God. So much so that you will not let prayer go. Whether it be to see God regenerate a heart, which is a spiritual miracle. Whether it be to heal someone physically, emotionally, spiritually. Whether it be to resolve, restore problems, resolve issues. He is honored when we don't let circumstances, inconvenience, or embarrassment get in the way of him. Him doing what he desires to do. Whether it be indirect methods like prayer, whether it be direct methods like opening our mouth when the Spirit stirs us to testify of his goodness at the workplace, whatever it may be, Lynn, our serving team's director, is alive because this house of God brought her to Jesus through prayer. At 18 years old, I got born again spiritually. And if genuinely you knew me beforehand, as my mom would say, oh man, he was a handful. It is a pure miracle that I am standing in front of you testifying that Jesus is God, worthy of following, Worthy to be our shepherd. And I got there at 18 years old because my grandma and my mom brought me to Jesus through prayer. Our prodigal children will come to saving faith because we bring them to Jesus through prayer. This earth and all of its fractured messiness, it will be restored according to God's will when we bring it to Jesus through prayer. Do you feel me on that, church? Let us not be a church that underestimates the power of God through our faith. And they say, no, name it to claim it type of theology. The faith that is within us is a gift from God himself. How will we act on it? 
It isn't primarily about this measure of faith that we have, although that is included. We see here the determination gets them in front of Jesus to see their faith. But it's even more so the object of our faith. Jesus is the source of our healing, spiritually and physically and emotionally. He is the great physician. How can we be friends to our friends? How can we be Jesus to our friends in this season? Don't take for granted that we have the best friend in history, Jesus. He said to his disciples before he left, I no longer call you slaves, I call you friends. Each one of us has access to literally, it may not be physically, like those friends did with peeling the tiles back, dropping them down, but through prayer we can genuinely bring our friends to the greatest friend that they may not even know now. And I'm not talking about the blessing of bringing non-Christians exclusively. I'm talking about bringing Christians who have backslidden and need the Spirit of God to revitalize and renew their heart type of deal. I know that there are some saints in this room that have walked through years of being distant from God. Maybe God wants you to bring your friends to him in prayer, that your story would be multiplied and that God would gain that much more glory. He is not just doing, he's not just forgiving sins. He's the only one who can. Look with me back at the text. We'll talk about forgiveness here, verse 20. Seeing their faith, again, Jesus is seeing the paralytic's faith in front of him, right in front of him, as, as well as his friends. Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. There is nothing like having your sins forgiven. There is nothing like having a clean slate between us and God. And I'm not talking just when you get saved. I'm talking about when we've gone through some messes, post-conversion, distant from God. We bring that to him and he removes it. The word says that he chooses to Wipe away our sin. Remember it no more. Wash it as white as snow. It was a crimson stain on us and he deletes it, so to speak. And I think that one of the enemy's tactics that continually undermines our faith in this body is not letting go of our sins. You know the pet sins that we have. The ones that are blocking us from genuinely enjoying the riches of union with Christ. Enjoying his anointing, his presence, all the above. Because there's a stronghold on our life. And Jesus is saying, bring that to me. As we have in the past to be saved. And he will do it again. Not unto salvation, but unto closeness with him friendship with him. There is nothing like being forgiven. It's as sweet as honey. And us married couples, we get it. Can't stand when you're in conflict with your spouse. There's a block there. And then when someone humbles themselves, 
asks for forgiveness, turns away from their sin, the beauty and the peace that's restored between you, your spouse, and the household is something that money can't buy. How much more is it when we give all of our messes continually to Jesus for him to continually remove those things from our whiteboards? Church, when we receive forgiveness from Jesus, we receive the greatest type of forgiveness ever. The world offers a forgiveness that has strings attached. Jesus' forgiveness is one that is final and then forgotten. Some of us bring up and regurgitate sins that we've already brought to Jesus. Then we feel ashamed of them and Jesus is saying, what are you talking about? Because he's already forgiven us of those things. May we be a church that's always discerning whose voice that we are listening to. And the good news of all that is that God is ready in it all with open arms to continually forgive us for our sins. Church, let's be a church that lets go of shame and reestablishes ourselves on truth. And the truth is, is that we are dearly loved and cared for as sons and daughters of the Most High. And when he went to that cross, he purchased us this relationship that as we would continue to offend him, we could continue to turn and ask for forgiveness. And he would not hold it against us. Some of us need to hear that word even this morning. God isn't holding your past against you. It's final. The only thing that will come back up is you regurgitating it in your mind and being entrapped and ensnared by the enemy therein. When God is saying, I've forgiven you. Take that to the Lord and process it. Side note, today's text is not just an example of a person coming to saving faith exclusively due to another person's faith. So every person in heaven, just to be clear, is there because they personally chose to follow Jesus. Romans 10 verse 9 reads this, If you openly declare that Jesus is our Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So when reading this text, there's a little bit of confusion. When I read this, I thought, what is Luke trying to get at? Is he saying that the paralytic's sins are forgiven because of the faith of his friends? And I don't think that's Luke's message at all within this text. I think it's clear that Jesus saw what was right in front of him, which was the man and his friends. And then he chose to forgive that man's sin. There must have been something within that paralytic man that's speculative by me and isn't exactly clear in the text because it's not said, but there's a trust within him that led to salvation, that led to Jesus genuinely forgiving him of his sins. I say this because in all three gospel accounts, it contains this message, three of the four, and in each one, 
the paralytic is not fighting against his friends at all. Like he genuinely wants to be there. I presume he wants to be healed. I presume that he has heard of Jesus' healing power and by faith he's going there to be healed. And I think that there is a faith there that our God deems as worthy of saving, though it not be explicitly said within the text. Let's continue on to see the rest of the text here as we finish up. Not everyone is going to be happy from what happened, from Jesus' healing. The Jewish leaders of the day are in attendance, and they're going to end up doubting that Jesus can forgive sins because they don't believe that he is God. Read with me, verse 21. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who do you think, who does he think that he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew that what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. The Jewish leaders were right that any person who could forgive sins was God. They knew that from the Mosaic law. There is no man, no prophet, no pastor, no priest, there is no pope that can forgive sins. It is God himself. In the flesh, specifically in this text, Jesus, who can forgive sins. Jesus knows their doubts that he is God so what does he end up doing? He then chooses to prove it by adding a, fear, a physical miracle to the unseen miracle of forgiving this guy's sin. How else will people end up knowing that he is God? He has healed, forgiven this guy spiritually. And everyone, rightly so, from the Pharisees are saying, what's evidence of that? How can he do that? He's not God. And we're going to see that Jesus then heals the man physically to prove that he is. Verse 24, then Jesus turned the paralyzed man, turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. Jesus is our healer. Our physical healer. The paralytic is experiencing Jesus as that. And we got to praise God. Sometimes we got to really take some basic doctrine like Jesus is our healer and really think it through. So it goes from our head to our hearts. And it fuels our worship of him. Think about the promise, blood-bought daughter and son of God, that we are all going to experience Jesus' healing. Whether you have a diagnosis that's terminal, whether you have a physical ailment, whatever it may be, Jesus promises that he will heal us, whether medically, miraculously, or eternally, meaning in heaven. Praise God. I know it doesn't make it easy for us, but our life is but a vapor. Here one moment, gone the next. And we're going to live so much longer than what we think. 
from the moment that you gained consciousness and started thinking really about how long you live, really about that time, do we realize that we're never going to end? There is no expiration date on us experiencing the grace of God, his healing power. Though we may go through, be pressed on both sides from affliction, as Paul said, our hope is in Christ and in him alone. If, if you've ever believed in the miracle of a resurrected guy who claimed to be God, we better find hope and that we are going to experience Jesus' healing now or later. And it ain't easy. But yet that is our hope. In this world we will have troubles. But take heart, church, for Christ has overcome what? Oh, I know we got more Bible readers in this church. I know we got more Bible... Christ has overcame the, bless the Lord. In this case, that's happening here. There's a couple questions that may go through your mind that I just wanted to communicate, maybe address so that there's no confusion from this text. When reading this, I was thinking, why did Jesus forgive the paralytic sins when he and his friend, at least from a plain reading of the text, seemed to come for physical healing? Like, why does he do the forgiveness, the spiritual healing underneath first? And it doesn't even seem that he was going to do the second one until he saw the Pharisees had a word of knowledge, knew that they were doubting he was God. Why was that? I think, I think that there's a lesson in priorities of how God works. If you're a part of this church, you understand that we believe the supernatural. Because this tells us to. We are all for signs, wonders, and miracles. Because that's what's described here. Both the physically miraculous and spiritually mirac miraculous are an amazing gift from God. But when pinned against one another, if you ever do so... We must understand that spiritually being reborn is a greater miracle than physical healing. And in principle, the fact that we desire God in our hearts is a miracle nonetheless that we can tend to overlook that's just as amazing as when someone sprains their wrist and gets healed through prayer, which has happened here. Someone getting miraculously healed on the spot. Now both are important for praise and worship, but I think there's something to this text saying, hey, the God of the universe is telling us contentment and he wants to address our spiritual needs and our heart even more than our physical ones. I don't know many people since being born again in this Christian community, lived in D.C., here, California. I don't know many, 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 many poor people who were discontent and then ended up getting rich. I've known a lot of people who were broke, found contentment in God, and years later, they got blessed financially. And I know I'm bringing up a physical thing and, I, and I'm saying, hey, you know, why is this guy talking about money? It's a clear example of how God wants our hearts first and then he'll address our physical needs. 
That is exactly the heart of God. I don't want to beat people up with this text or this story of um, how God has used this church to see people healed. It's happening. One of my favorites to share, and, and forgive me if I continue to repeat it, it was just such a, wow, God, you're in this place type of moment. A couple years ago, a person coming up to the prayer team uh, came up, wanted to get their wrist healed. And instead of saying that, they just blurted out, hey, I have unforgiveness in my heart. Oh, I hate it. I, I just like, all I do is worry. I feel like I have like sickness in my bones because of this anxiety. I'm just praying that you would just pray for me, pray for me for that. Oh, by the way, I forgot. I came here to get my wrist healed. Like I can't bend it. And then uh, out of wisdom, God said, pray for that man's heart and then pray for his wrist. Uh, we prayed for his heart and we felt his body temperature go up. There was a physical manifestation of the Holy Spirit ministering to that man. And then he walked away. Service had ended about 15 minutes after. He comes up and he's wiggling his wrist. And I'm saying, cool. And he's like, don't you remember? I came up for my wrist. You guys didn't pray about it. I got healing in my heart though. And I said, huh. Interesting. God healed his heart and then chose, chose to heal his physical ailment. Church, we are a supernatural family. We have eyes to see the unseen. And God prioritizes what is happening in our hearts just as much as our physical needs. With that being said, we make sure we always pray for those who are in need those who have physical ailments. We know as overseers of the church, anointing with oil is of importance to see God move and heal people. And with that being said, wanted to give an opportunity for Pastor Glenn to come up here and just share a little bit of a testimony to end our time. Justin, bring that fan to fan this man down up here. Hey, y'all. My name is Glenn. Uh, if you don't know me, I serve as co-lead pastor with Roy. And this morning I bring uh, tough news. So if you know anything about my story, a few years ago I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And Jesus healed me, carried me through all the treatment. I went into remission uh, summer of 2021 have had three years of great health. A few months ago, started getting the itchies, okay? Now, when you're itching all over your body, you don't really think that has to do with anything. You, you're just itching and, you know, it'll go away. And it just, it wasn't. So, talking to my mom over the holidays, she says, go get a scan, just rule out that cancer's back. And so, I marched into a Methodist Medical Plaza about a month ago and had every thought in my heart and my mind that, you know, I'd be clean and clear and I wasn't. So uh, just this week had a biopsy surgery and have been diagnosed with a recurrence of Hodgkin's lymphoma. 
So uh, I tell you this so that you can be informed and you can pray. I know I'm wearing a chief shirt. People who are not fans of the chiefs have grace and mercy. You can still pray for me, okay? You can still pray for my family. Um, hearing the news a few years ago felt like a bus hitting me and my life. Hearing it this time, not so much. It's a road that we have walked before. It doesn't mean that the time hasn't come and won't come with waves of, you know, grief and sorrow and tears and heavy conversations and, and discernment. It does mean that I know Jesus a lot differently today than I did a few years ago. And it means that um, I have faith, I have optimism. Um, I hate doing this right now because I don't like talking about this. Um, I am more fixed in my heart and my mind on healing and on the journey ahead and the road through treatment and all that kind of stuff. And I want to put you at ease. Some of you here might be prone in hearing that to, you know, despair, fear, worry. Um, I feel good. Uh, I have energy. I, I don't have any other symptoms besides that. And it's a good prognosis. And so, you know, we, we are going to go meet with my oncologist uh, in the next week. And we'll discern what the steps forward look like. But uh, I would entreat you and, and, and plead with you, um, please pray for my healing. Pray that God would um, sustain our family through this. To be honest with you, my wife, Kate, I don't know if she's in the room. She's amazing. High capacity. Um, I think it's important for you to know she's so steadfast. Doesn't get rattled. Amazing mom. And the best company I can have uh, through all of this are all my girls. It just keeps things in perspective, to be honest. Um, all three of my girls don't give a crud that I'm sick. They want a snack. They <laughs> want me to fix their bike and, you know, do the... And what a gift, church. What a grace from God. I love that. And so uh, been holding this off from you for a few weeks at least now because we didn't have a diagnosis and didn't really know what the plan was going forward. And so this is just our public formal, hey, I've got cancer again. It's going to be okay. Please pray for us. I'm sure in the days to come on the Echo app that we use to inform people in our church uh, with prayer needs that we'll have uh, some details in there, maybe even a way that you can bless uh, our family and um, specific ways that you can be praying for us. Here's what I'm happy to tell you. And I mean this with all sincerity. My heart feels at peace. Um, my closeness to Jesus is real. And I just have no reason right now in the midst of all of this to have a lot of dread or panic. Um, that, that doesn't mean there's not sorrow, but uh, I have every reason to believe, and I think you have every reason to believe, that summer of 2024, I will be back to life as normal because Jesus healed me once, and he can do it again. So, yeah. Yes, yes. <clears throat> uh, 
Everyone, if you wouldn't mind just standing, what we're going to do is um, reach out a hand. Overseers would love for you to join us right now from uh, get on stage here. Um, these men, Glenn, if you wouldn't mind taking a seat. These men here are our overseers team. Uh, they are a part of running CLB according to God's will. And we want to pray blessing together in unity for Glenn. So if you're in agreement, we'd love for you to extend your hand as we would pray up here. I'll go ahead and start, fellas. And as the Spirit leads us, uh, Justin, feel free to finish. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for the body supporting Glenn by the extension and laying on of hands. This pleases you, God. And for that, we're thankful and grateful. Peace in Jesus' name over the Lawson's household. In Jesus' name, you're the king of peace, God. Reign over their household. Reign over there, protect the innocence of the girls as Glenn would go through treatment again, God. We pray peace, God, and that joy would not be stolen by the enemy in Jesus' name. Lord, our, our hearts are hurting. Hear our prayer. I think of Joshua 1, 9. God said, I command you to be strong and courageous. Yes, yes. I command you yes. to be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged, for I am with you wherever you go. Lord, be with us. Heal his body. Yes, God. God, I just lift up Glenn to you right now. I just ask that you would heal him right now, God that you would release healing in his body. Um, I pray over their family, uh, him and Kate and the girls, God, that I'd pray that you'd take away all anxiety, mm. all fear, uh, and just have peace in their home and uh, just continued intimacy with you uh, that Glenn was talking about, that, that uh, the hard times are sometimes the best times with you. And so I pray that that would be true of uh, their time now. Lord, may your will be done right now here in Bennington as it is in heaven. We know your will in heaven is that Glenn is well. So we pray that you make him well here, that you have a story, that we will hear a story of how wonderful you are, Jesus. So we trust you. We thank you that we come to you right now. Glenn is your beloved son, and his sins are no more. That Holy Spirit, he is your temple, the place 
where you delight to dwell. Jesus, he is part of your bride in whom you love and set apart for yourself. And how fitting is it that we get a message today where a man's friend, friends come and place him before the healer. And so as a church body, we lower our friend to you, Jesus. And we ask that you would heal him. And on the days where his faith may be lacking, Jesus, we ask that you would strengthen us to have faith on his behalf. God, we thank you that you tell us that we can be sorrowful yet always rejoicing. And you tell us to rejoice when trials come because there is something you're doing behind the scenes to build up our inner man, to increase our faith and to increase our view of you with clarity and closeness. God, we pray that for our man. We pray that for his family. God, you are setting them on a rock with a view that is so beautiful and heavenly to experience your presence in ways that only something like cancer could bring him to. We love Glenn, we love our friend, and we bring him to our greatest friend, you, Jesus, in your name. And all God's people said, amen, 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 amen.